Welcome into the Rob Logic Podcast. Plenty to get to today. Minnesota Vikings with another win over the weekend to improve to 6-1 on the season. It hasn't always looked pretty for this team, but as a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, I have to be extremely happy with that result, especially when nobody else in the NFC North seems to want it. Minnesota is really the only team that's been able to show up and show out every single week of the season and the latest win coming against the Arizona Cardinals love the way that this offense looked at moments and then other times I'm ripping my hair out it was a roller coaster ride but at the end of the day 34 26 win over an Arizona Cardinals team that really needed a win right NFC West um Cardinals really need a win and you know they're not able to get it because Minnesota playing really really well at home they're unbeaten so far in U.S. Bank Stadium this year. And I just really enjoyed watching the way the team played complimentary football offensively. Kirk Cousins throws for two touchdowns, 232 yards, also ran for a touchdown, showcased the speed there on the first drive of the game. And the run game really got going, right? I mean, 111 rushing yards for Dalvin Cook with one touchdown, Alexander Madison rushing five times for 40 yards in a tud. That's that's big for this Minnesota team that at times it seems like Kevin O'Connell's really f- fallen in love with the passing game. So to see the team really kind of commit to the run game, do some more of that, um, it, it looked really, really good at times. And then there were other times where it didn't seem like the offense could move the ball, but when they needed to score, they did. And when the defense needed to make a stop, that group did as well. And I, I was really impressed with the way that this defense continues to evolve from week to week it seems like they they always come up with the big stop whenever they need it on third or fourth down and this week it seems like the pass rush was really getting into it and hats off to Kwesi Adolfo Mensa for bringing in Zadarius Smith free agent pass rusher um to the team because he he was a different he's been a difference maker all year long but especially against the Arizona Cardinals just wreaking havoc there up front and made life difficult for that Arizona offensive line very underrated free agent signing but it's he's worked really well in Minnesota's defense and then able to force some a couple of turnovers so that's very encouraging for this team and um, so moving forward, I mean, Minnesota seems to Minnesota really seems to be like one of the top teams in the NFC, even though it doesn't always seem like it at times because the games are so close. But right now the team is winning and that's all that matters. And if the playoffs were to start, they'd be the two seed. So at the end of the day, that's that's all that matters is those those wins and losses. And I tell you, this team will be battle tested come playoff time and watching the Packers lose to the Buffalo Bills. It seems like their season is practically over unless they're able to go on a run and really turn things around. They're all out of sorts. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers offensively. Guys seem it just seems like they don't really know what they're doing offensively. And then defensively, that was supposed to be a strong that was supposed to be a solid unit for that team to kind of lean on when the offense was figuring things out. And right now it just hasn't worked on either side of the ball for the green Bay Packers. So for Minnesota, it's their division to lose. And when you look, this team's going to be tested again next week against the Washington commanders. Um, They're 500 right now. They've, they've won some games against some 
decent opponent, so can't overlook the Commanders. And then the week after that, it's going to be the Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. And that's going to be just a great, great matchup between basically what are two of the top teams in the NFL if we're going by record. So um, really, really excited with where the team is at. Um, I think there's some things that they need to iron out. But for Minnesota, um, the only area of concern is, you know, that that offensive line, it seems like at times they were just getting dominated by the Cardinal pass rush. So um, as far as trade deadline goes, I really don't think that the Vikings will – do a whole lot at the trade deadline just with some of the cap issues and everything that the team is kind of dealing with right now from a front office standpoint but if they're able to maybe bring in uh, an offensive lineman if uh, they're maybe able to add another wide receiver I think that would go a long way and kind of you know just improve an offense that when it's when it's working the way it's supposed to is is really good but I think there there have been some times now and, and there are some games where, you know, I think as fans we really just want to see the team go out there and, you know, just kind of put the pedal down and, and, and score a lot of points and just kind of, you know, not make these games so close. But that's not the reality of the NFL this year. There's been so many one-score games. The margin for victory is is very small in today's NFL. So for the Vikings to be 6-1, and one, you've got to be happy with that. But I do think that... An offensive lineman to help protect Kirk a little bit more uh, would be nice. And then also, um, if you're able to get a wide receiver, I think that would really help as well because uh, Justin Jefferson's drawing a lot of attention. And I think as years gone on, Kevin O'Connell's done a good job of kind of using that and finding other guys to get the ball to. Adam Thielen, you know, six catches for 67 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. Still would like to see him get some more targets out there um you know he came out for i think well no he he basically he went down and then he basically came right back out onto the field even though he uh had that knee contusion i think is what they're going with but you know i think for minnesota it's just can we can we see that consistency through all four quarters because third quarter has been really rough for this team all year offensively and then they seem to dial it up again once it becomes a fourth quarter and the games are close. And, I mean, just look at the way that the team responded when Arizona ends up taking the lead. Um, the team didn't fold. Um, they came right back with another punch and were able to regain the lead and then just kind of, you know, I mean, it, it was a close one. But, again, for this team to pull out the victories the way that they have been this year, have to – have to really like the the way that this team has competed and not folded because last year last year's team would have folded the time management from the head coach was awful by Mike Zimmer and Kevin O'Connell thankfully seems to have a much better grasp of some of those time management issues that really really shot this team in the foot over the last few years with Mike Zimmer kind of making all of those calls so yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a good feeling for a Vikings fan, but I know everybody. You know, there's going to be naysayers out there, and there's going to be those Vikings fans that are like, "Oh, but wait till we get to the playoffs. Wait till we get to the playoffs." Well, we got to live in the present, and right now this team looks really, really good, and we've kind of got to take it. You know, Kirk Cousins. Um, that was another thing that I wanted to point out from this last game and kind of all year long. It really seems like Kirk 
has been doing a lot better job at you know, being able to make something out of nothing and kind of turn those broken plays into something, you know, either downfield or, or with his legs, you know, with his rushing touchdown. I don't think he planned on taking off with that at all. He's not a guy that's going to be looking to run or anything, but you know, I think that was that was kind of the best play in that situation. And, you know, he's really taken some steps forward in that direction. Um, he did have the fumble, so that's that's been one of his issues throughout his career. But uh, it, it hasn't been too bad this year, and I think he's kind of cleaned some of those things up. So hopefully that fumble that happened against Arizona that's just a one-time thing and it's not going to happen again all year it might happen again but the thing that we don't want to see is it this being a issue that kind of happens from game to game something that you know his first couple of seasons with the Vikings really really struggled with with some of those uh the fumbles and then the balls batted down at the line of scrimmage so for Kirk Cousins, I think he's done a pretty good job of running this offense. I think at times um, we've seen this team be very explosive. You know, first drive, we see Justin Jefferson with a big catch, but I want to see Justin Jefferson get involved more in the game. And obviously defenses, they know exactly who he is. They're not going to allow him to have some of those just wide open opportunities, even though he still does that because he is an elite route runner in the National Football League, but for Minnesota, what what is this offense going to be able to do to kind of get him open and get some of those good looks that this team was seeing against uh, the Green Bay Packers in, right there in week one? So um, for Minnesota, offensively, I think they need to do that because he is, he is that explosive, the home run hitter of this offense. You know, we haven't we haven't seen Dalvin hit a big run yet this year, and part of that is he's just not getting the carries from game to game that he normally does. I still think he looks pretty good running the ball. Obviously, against Arizona, they committed to him. He got he got those 20 carries, rushing for over 100 yards and 5.5 and yards per carry, and, I mean, everybody really ran the ball well. So I think if you're Minnesota, if teams want to take away Justin Jefferson, just let him. You know, but if they're if teams are going to do that though, and you don't have a way of creating plays or opportunities for Justin Jefferson, then I think for Minnesota you have to go to that ground game, just ground and pound with Dalvin Cook. He's he's a pretty good running back in the National Football League, and you've got a good backup in Alexander Madison. That's one of the, I mean, those two guys is a one-two punch. You really like where you're at. Uh, with that running back group. So for, for Minnesota, if the explosive plays aren't there, um, you know, get that ball on the ground and just, just keep running it because eventually those defenses are going to have to creep up and, you know, maybe then that's when you're able to get Justin Jefferson involved. And the thing is you can win by running the football. You can win with Dalvin Cook, you know, getting the ball the 20 to 25 carries a game. I don't think it needs to be the extremes of you know Mike Zimmer saying we need to run we need to run we need to run I just think if teams are going to really try to take away Justin Jefferson you have all of these weapons you may as well use them and Dalvin Cook's a pretty good weapon in the National Football League so I would just like to see some of that but I think play calling wise we're, we're seeing this it's kind of a progression from week one to uh, where we're at right now so I think that's going to be an area that they continue to improve. And I think defensively, 
that group continues to get better on a weekly basis. So, and I just really like the way that this team came out after a bye because we haven't always seen this team come out and play the way that they did after a bye. Sometimes, you know, over the years, we've seen the Vikings just be really, really flat after bye weeks. So, to see the team come out and compete and deal with some of that adversity late in the game, that's a really, really encouraging sign. And it's a sign of a good football team. I mean, the team hasn't been 6-1 since 2009 when, you know, that team went to the NFC Championship game. And, I mean, I don't want to do any of these comparisons, but, you know, that team from 09 also kind of found ways to win late. And right now that's kind of what this team is doing. And I think if we could continue to see some of that progression Throughout the year, where this team is at now after seven games, I think fans everywhere are going to be very, very happy with where the team is at once the regular season finishes because if they continue to improve at this rate, I think this team will be ready for the playoffs to really compete with with anybody in the NFC. And the NFC is down, and I get that the Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of weapons offensively. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Miles Sanders, the list goes on and on. Defensively, they've got a lot of stars all across the field. But I think Minnesota can match up pretty well with Philly, and it's not going to be the same game that these two teams played back in Week 2 if they end up you know, somehow meeting in another NFC Championship game. I don't think it's going to be the blowout that we saw in 2017 but that's that's a long way down the road and obviously don't want to speculate that the Vikings are going to make it to the NFC championship game but right now you know this team is the two seed in the NFC and you know as fans you've got to take it with exactly what it is um and you know it's nothing more nothing less right so um for Minnesota six and one I love it I love it schedule obviously does get a lot more tough as we kind of move down the stretch because you've got Washington, then Buffalo, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, Lions. That's kind of a trap game there. Colts, Giants, Packers, Bears. Giants, obviously, much better team than what they've been in the past. Jets, much better team than what they've been in the past. And then Bill Belichick defense there with the Patriots. I don't know that they'll be able to do a whole lot of scoring because Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, take your pick. They're either Both of them aren't the answer in New England. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, and then Dallas Cowboys, that should be a really good game. And so we're going to find a lot more about this year's Minnesota Vikings in the next four games and especially you know Sunday November 13th against the Buffalo Bills it's all gonna start right there um so man I'm really looking forward to that game especially watching uh watching the Bills play the Packers I think the Vikings are a lot better than the Packers and I think Minnesota matches up a lot better with Buffalo than what Green Bay does but yeah Stefan Diggs is a problem he's still a problem he's been a problem ever since he came into the league with the Minnesota Vikings and that's going to be kind of a fun matchup to watch is you know how do the Vikings uh, kind of go you know defensively how are they going to try and guard and slow down one of the elite wide receiving talents in the National Football League how do you go about slowing down Josh Allen and then but before that obviously it's it's Washington another former 
Viking? Is this a Taylor Heineke revenge game against Minnesota? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know, but uh, but Washington's been playing a lot better. Um, seems like that team just plays better around Taylor Heineke compared to Carson Wentz. But that's still a game that Minnesota should should win. Um, Washington has some issues defensively, offensively. They've they've been able to grind out a couple of you know close wins here in the last couple of weeks. But I think Minnesota should. You know, obviously, be the favorite favorite in that game, and they should win that matchup, even though it is at Washington. I still really like Minnesota's chances in that. So, yeah, for the Vikings, it looks really good right now, and just have to keep on keeping on, right? So, I've been there's been a lot of positives to take away through these first seven games, but obviously, there's still a lot of season to go. But right now, it's all looking good for the purple and gold now for fantasy football my teams are not looking nearly as good as the minnesota vikings but a couple of bright spots i will have to say christian mccaffrey and saquon barkley continue to carry my fantasy football team i went with those two guys it it was a bold move i'm all about bold moves bold takes and so mccaffrey and barkley mccaffrey goes from just really a garbage situation in carolina all the way around gets out of carolina goes to san francisco they just have a few package plays for him that first week and then this week christian mccaffrey is unleashed against the los angeles rams he's got the passing touchdown the rushing touchdown the receiving touchdown all the yards to go along with it and man he was eating over 30 points i think close to 40 actually um in the one league i've only got him in one league but man i am i am really really thankful because starting out in that matchup i lose mark andrews on thursday night football and so immediately i am just thinking like no i'm doomed like i am doomed the guy i'm going up against has the same record as i do and i'm like oh no this is this is not good you know but uh everybody else really really bailed bailed me out and I tell you, my team put up a lot of points. A lot of teams, a lot of fantasy football teams put up a lot of points this week, but I was happy with the 168.3 I got. Kyler Murray is my quarterback. That's always, it's always weird when you have your quarterback in fantasy football and they're playing the team that you love and enjoy and are passionate about. So Kyler Murray, like I was torn. I was like, yes, please come back, but don't don't hand the Vikings a loss though. Like I'll take, I'll take all the stats in the world, but as long as the Vikings win, I'm cool with that. I really did get the best of both worlds. Murray went over 20 points. McCaffrey had 36.26. Saquon Barkley pitching in with 13.7. DJ Moore, 24 and a half. He had the crazy Hail Mary, but he didn't keep his helmet on and he cost the Carolina Panthers. Uh, potentially I would have made it a lot easier kick but obviously as we saw i i don't know that their kicker would have made that anyways so um and then jalen waddle eight receptions 106 yards two touchdowns 26.6 fantasy points so yeah my guys they were they were cooking this week and then um miles sanders 13.8 points and then i had the new york jets defense which pitched in 10 i'll take it and young way from atlanta he had the game winner 14 points so just an awesome awesome week for fantasy football and then obviously there were a lot of 
other guys that kind of went off. I was on the I was on the bad end of some of the big games uh, going up against somebody with AJ Brown. There's no way I was coming back from that. <laughs> it was it was over right away for that one. So, but we'll bounce back. We'll be better in uh, well, hopefully. I don't know. There's like a couple of leagues that I'm in right now where I'm like this season. It's over. It's over now, and it's unfortunate, but that that is kind of the reality of fantasy football. We're starting to get about, you know, middle of the season, and I just don't think that there's any way I'm going to be able to come back in some of those leagues. So it's over, but, you know, I had a nice run. Unfortunately, I'm not doing too great in the work league, so I'm going to have to hear about that on a daily basis. We've all been there. Not something that we love, but it, it is something that, kind of happens from from time to time so but outside of football this is my favorite time of year because of the world series now last podcast episode we had ryan uh on to talk phillies and astros and after two games the series is tied 1-1 game one went to extra innings really really exciting stuff if you're a fan of major league baseball if you're not a fan of major league baseball hey now's the time to start paying attention I understand the 162-game season throughout the summer is way too much, but now it's postseason baseball. It's different. You just have to lock in for five more games, five more nine-inning games. That's it. That's all you have to do. And there's a, there's a lot of great baseball to be played. Um, you know, if you're not a fan of baseball, everybody loves offense, right? Well, the Philadelphia Phillies have a lot of offense. The Houston Astros have a lot of offense. There's been a lot of runs scored throughout the first two games. And, I mean, for Philly, they're the underdog. But, man, I'm really pulling for them. We all know about the Houston Astros, the cheating scandal from years back. And I don't think anybody really – I really feel like Philadelphia is America's team when it comes to – the world series however i will say i do really really hate philadelphia fans just i mean yeah but i'm a viking fan so i mean it makes sense right because you know the championship game and all that stuff i mean i just uh philly fans are insufferable but i do want the philadelphia phillies to win this because i hate the astros i hate the astros maybe more than i hate anything in life because the astros Oh, I just cannot stand them at all. I don't know what Framber Valdez, I don't know if he had an illegal substance on his hand there in game two or not, but it just, it all seems fishy. It's always seemed fishy when it's come to the Astros, and it feels like there's some stuff that that team is up to in this World Series that may or may not be legal by the letter of the law in Major League Baseball. But we'll let MLB look into that if they need to. Um... But man, I tell you, first couple of first couple of games, I mean that Philly Philly offense to come back from down five runs against Justin Verlander. Now, Verlander, one of the one of the best pitchers in I mean baseball history. Just in one of the best definitely in in his generation. I mean, this guy's really done it all, but for whatever reason, he just cannot pitch in the World Series, and he looked pretty good for a few innings, at least against the Philadelphia Eagles or Phillies. Okay, now I'm now I'm flip flopping with the teams. Phillies, Eagles, all the same thing, right? No, it's not. Phillies, Phillies, Phillies. So Justin Verlander there against Philadelphia Phillies on cruise control 
through the first few innings and then like like what happens and then you know if you're Dusty Baker I really think that you needed to yank them a little bit sooner than what they did although I do get it it's a seven game series you know if it ends up well it might not go that long but if you're if you're planning for a seven game series I don't hate the move of waiting to take out Verlander because I'm always against managers that yank guys a little bit too early and I mean the thing is like Justin Verlander, he's won Cy Young awards. I mean, he he's your he's your guy. He's your ace. There's a reason why you're starting him in game 1. I understand why you have kind of a longer leash with him, although all the numbers do say he is not very good when it comes to pitching in World Series games for whatever reason. I will not get it. I also will not understand why Clayton Kershaw is not very great when it comes to postseason baseball, but that is baseball. Some some pitchers turn it up, and other pitchers, I don't know if it's like the grind of the season or what. They just cannot pitch in the postseason. But I do I do understand where Dusty's coming from because I've been highly critical of managers that take out starters way too soon in some of these World Series series. In some of these World Series. I don't know why I'm repeating words now. In some of these World Series, though, we've seen managers that have pulled guys too soon. And then to me, um, it comes to bite them later on in the series because some of those bullpen guys that you rely on and the other team is able to see them, you know, three to four times, it's not like a normal three-game series, three or four-game series during the middle of the season. Like if you're throwing an arm out of your pen there in game one and again in game two and again in game three, well, by the time game five, six, and seven roll around, you know, these hitters have seen everything that they have, okay? So I, I'm, I'm always against, like, pulling guys early. So I am pro save the bullpen until later in the series. I mean, when it gets to games five and after, I say all bets are off. Yeah, you got to pull guys and do whatever you have to do to get that victory. But early on, at least save the bullpen a little bit because – if you're not going to get that winning game one, it might cost you a couple of games down the stretch. We've seen that happen with some of these Dave Roberts, Los Angeles Dodgers teams. And so I am always, always, always not a huge fan of pulling guys super early, especially if it's a guy of Justin Verlander's caliber. There's no reason why a guy like that needs to be pulled. Try to let him figure it out because there are times where he is able to figure it out and, you just kind of got to let him do his thing. Sometimes it's as simple as that because Verlander in his career, he's been extremely dominant. He's got a great mix of pitches. There's a reason why he's as old as he is and still putting up some just incredible numbers from the mound. You know, he had the Tommy John surgery. He missed so much time and then comes back and this year. He just looks like vintage Verlander. He's still pumping it up there. 95 plus. So, I mean, we'll see if there's anything that comes of that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I it's it's gonna be tough though for Dusty Baker when you see Valdez pitch the way that he did. It's like, who do you want to pitch on short rest now? Do you want to pitch Verlander on short rest? I don't know that you do. I don't know that you do. Like, he is he is a great pitcher, but for whatever reason, I mean. I think this is might be one of those situations where Dusty Baker will just have to live and die by Justin Verlander, and hopefully he figures it out because 
they're going to need him against this Philadelphia Phillies offense. I mean, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, all those guys, Reese Hoskins, I mean, they can hit the crap out of the baseball. And you are going to need pitching in order to put those guys away because as we've seen, doesn't matter how many runs you score, they can delete the lead just like that. And that's what they did. That's what they did in game one. They kind of made it a little bit interesting in game interesting in game two. But I think the key for the Phillies is is all about getting to that Astros bullpen. The bullpen has been pretty good, but I think, you know, for the Phillies, if you can knock the starting pitchers out, you know, in the fourth or fifth inning here in game three, because, you know, we had the postponement. Um, if if you guys, if they're able to do that, I think it's going to bode well for them over the long term of this series. And let's face it, the Phillies have played extremely well at home. I think that kind of goes into it. But if you're the Astros, you just, I mean, I still like the Astros to win this series. Just because I want the Philadelphia Phillies to win does not mean I would pick the Philadelphia Phillies, and that's why I didn't pick them. I picked the Houston Astros. And I think if you're the Houston Astros, um, you know, Lance McCullers, I mean, we'll see what this postponement does if anybody changes as far as who's going to be pitching and whatnot. I don't think that'll change for game three, but, you know, maybe down the road here it could maybe change things. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I just think that Houston, they Jose Altuve seems to have remembered how to hit. That was something that he could not do in the postseason. He kind of disappeared for them offensively, but he seemed to find his swing again. And then, you know, for the Phillies, the Philly starters have not looked great through the first couple of games, and they've looked extremely vulnerable. So if you're Houston, you just kind of keep on doing what you've been doing. You don't count on Justin Verlander blowing a five-run lead. Like, they've had both games kind of in hand now. Um, just because they blew one of them doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Uh, obviously, Phillies have the home field advantage now, but um, I don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about because they came out and played as well as they did in Game 2. And for the Astros, they just have to kind of stick to, to their game. Like, they have the lineup, the Alvarez's, the Bregman's, and they're just, and they have so much experience in the postseason. Whereas, you know, some of these guys on the Phillies, they've been playing for years and years and years and never have experienced the playoff game. So I think that also, you give the advantage to the Astros. I like Dusty Baker as a manager, give that the advantage. Although there were some questions that I had for Dusty with the way that he did manage game one. I thought that Houston probably should have won that game, but I think, you know, managing wise, there were a couple of, couple of questionable calls, but, um, got a ride or die with Dusty Baker. So hopefully he's able to win a world series because he deserves one. He's a great coach, but I'm really looking forward to game three and hopefully we don't have any more postponements because it's always weird when that sort of thing happens in a world series but that'll do it for this edition of rob logic we'll see you next time